Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number two for Monday, August 13th, 2018. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is Pixel Riffs, but his friends call him Johnny. Welcome, sir. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Yes, I, I'm drinking tea out of a Ravenclaw mug today, so uh, oh. t- 10 points to various Hogwarts houses. I have never taken the time to take those like online tests and figure out what house that I would... I'm just assuming I would be Gryffindor, just because I'm a kind of a goody goody so that's, pro- that's probably where i would end up assigned we, we we found out today folks that joel self-identifies as a gryffindor so anyway this is not a this is not a podcast about harry potter this is not the harry podcast this is minecraft hello welcome to the spawn chunks how's how's your minecraft life joel what you up to well, I unfortunately did not get to play, play Minecraft as much on the weekend as I wanted to. I got some time in the game, but most of it was actually spending time trying to sort out data packs and oh, installing right, okay. data packs on the server Technical and trying to weekend. figure out how they work. Yeah, which I use, I do find very satisfying. Like I would say the last month or so, I've split my time quite evenly between creating resource packs and trying to figure out how things work and, and looking into data packs and, and quite enjoying the process. Uh, especially because I'm learning a little bit of Java code, that kind of stuff. However, uh, I only had about a 50% success rate of some of the data packs uh, this weekend. Now, a lot of them were from Hermitcraft, and there was a there's a disclaimer in the download saying, like, look, these aren't some of these aren't done. There's going to be some bugs. We're aware mm-hmm. of them, etc. Yeah. So I couldn't get the single player sleep to work. Uh, the rotation wrench wasn't working. There's a bunch of different things I tried, uh, but ultimately, what it led me to thinking is that we should put a little little notch uh in our notes to say we should do an episode in the future about data packs and maybe dive a little bit more into them because there's no way i could even start to talk about them now uh the one thing that i will mention i find it i find the code for minecraft very confusing Uh i mean i i do some web development i know html and css a little bit and i'm learning java and while they're complicated i i understand the i guess format of the coding languages i do not understand minecraft code (laughs) like it it is nonsensical holy could you make it more complicated especially because you're asking and giving players the opportunity to put it in like you would think it would just make more sense yeah it's and it's funny too because minecraft has had a reputation for the longest time for being coded by an amateur when notch created the game he didn't really know much about what he was doing he was just kind of muddling through and making stuff up as he went and so all of the work that's gone into recent technical updates has reportedly been to de-spaghettify the code and kind of delineate everything a little bit more precisely so the fact that you're still kind of having trouble understanding what they're putting down is is interesting to me. And, and as somebody who's not really looked much into the technical side, I don't do any coding, I don't do any modding, I mm. I barely worked out how to understand the, the, the kind of data pack stuff that I was putting onto my own patron server this weekend. So yeah, I've never really dabbled in that side of thing at all. But I always thought that when they were working to clarify the code a little bit more that would make it more accessible to people and maybe if somebody's an experienced java modder or anything like that then maybe they'd have a different experience but if it's not super accessible to you at the start then hmm, i wonder i wonder if there's any more work to be done in that department yeah it's a it's an odd it's an odd thing and if anybody listening uh has experience with modding uh specifically with the minecraft code i'm i've got some pretty good resources on, on javascript for data packs and and resource packs and things like that but if you if you have some experience in minecraft code and explaining 
how it works, then uh, shoot us a line at the spawnchunks at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to hear from you and we can maybe roll it into into a future episode. Absolutely. Uh, that's basically that's basically what my weekend was like, uh, Johnny. What, what were you up to in Minecraft? So this week I have been uh, kind of as a follow up to what we were discussing on the last episode. I have been making a squid farm to the specification that they're going to need in Minecraft 1.13.1. So last week we ah, talked about thinking. yeah about having squid farms that are based in river biomes because squid can't just spawn in any old pocket of water when the next Minecraft update rolls around and. We don't know when exactly that's going to be, so I've actually been eliminating the water from around the area as well, just so it works sort of in the meantime. But I found a very oh, cool. nice a very nice landlocked portion of river with a nice kind of curve in it that you can probably get roughly an equivalent distance from all of the blocks of water that are part of the river biome, and then you maximize the amount of area that squids will spawn and then still be able to move. Because mob AI works in a certain way where... It will spawn within a certain radius, but outside of, I think, 32 blocks or so, mobs kind of freeze in place because the game realizes that you're not close enough to them to need them to move around, really. So they just kind of become background detail. If you've ever spotted a squid in the distance in the ocean that just seems to be kind of spinning in place, then that is why that happens. So I've been... Oh. been working on drying out this river biome essentially and figuring out which blocks actually count as a river because the way minecraft terrain blends together there's actually a substantial portion of the riverbank on either side that still counts as like the birch forest on one side and then spruce forest on the other so it's kind of interesting mm. that we had like only a few blocks of river in the middle that technically counted as the spawnable space uh, one of the other things I did this week was to create a video advertising this show, <laughs> actually, <laughs> nice. which, um, yeah, I, I'm really, really thankful for. And the, 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 so many people kind of responded well to that and, and were giving us some great feedback. Like I had people on in the comments of that on Twitter, um, on my Twitch stream over the weekend as well, say that they'd listened to the show already and really enjoyed it. So thanks to you guys for that. Uh, it's, it's also been really great to see a couple of people starting to roll in on patreon as well and we have our patreon yes. discord server set up so we can chat to people directly in there and uh, we'll have a little plug for the the actual links for that and stuff at the end of the show if you guys are interested in supporting us but aside from I, that yeah i i done i done a, uh, a a giant build this week that is not quite finished now it's about three quarters of the way done i'm building a sort of warehouse on my island that is going to be a cactus farm and various other farms so that's i, the big I caught problem. that i i caught the i caught the dv video i think it was last night and uh <laughs> i was i was thinking to myself like he's making a cactus farm that is a ginormous cactus farm and it, as soon as i as soon as yeah. i thought that you you finished the video by saying like look this is going to have multiple floors i'm going to be able to put all kinds of different things in here but i was just yeah. in my head it was like holy overkill yeah it's <laughs> like in in a funny way in 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 creative it started out kind of small but the do the door design i had was like eight blocks wide and so i was like okay well if i build anything to the scale of this then it's either going to look like a fire station where just the whole front of the building opens up or is i a door, need yeah or i need to go bigger and at that point i was like yeah i've kind of it's gotten away from me a little bit. I've overshot what I expected to build for just a cactus <laughs> farm. So yeah, that's going to be basically my my all the farms go in here building. I think eventually. Oh, cool! And that and that'll that'll help you in terms of like collecting everything, and you like you can just drop everything into one simple you know 
hopper or water stream and yes. then sort it later somewhere yes. else right and like, and yeah, and no, having that... having a base where i'm working around there constantly building stuff the farms are always going to be loaded in so exactly. i'm always going to have production yeah. happening there which is kind of the thing that i've not done in previous seasons i've always built stuff and then walked away from it and then come back and gone why i've only got like 15 sugarcane in this surely there should right. be more so yeah, that's, yeah, because you get your farms goal. from you, they're all spread out all over the all over the build or all over the zone that you're building in. Yeah, yeah. no, I've 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 done that in a I've done that in a in a I guess a similar way on the Citadel where we've spread the farms out so that everything is all not lumped into one spot, but we're also living the houses that people spend a lot of time in are in different spots in the server. So like we put the squid farm close to Matt Cass's house mm -hmm. because when Matt Cass is online, he's going to load the squid farm. And then I've got, I think like pumpkins and sugar cane and stuff by me. So when I'm online doing stuff in my little cabin, I'm usually loading the, like some of the other farms. So ultimately some of the farms are being loaded at some point by somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's been, it's been an interesting experiment because there are some things that we we put just a little bit too far away and it's like god darn it yeah. <laughs> i should have put that somewhere else and uh it, it's i think a symptom of the the previous server we had because we had an iron farm and stuff in the spawn chunks we didn't really want to build anything else around there because the iron farm looked kind of ugly and mm. i think we all wanted to move away and the, the spawn was actually in a desert biome so not the the friendliest environment to start building in in the first place whereas no. this one we're actually building stuff around spawn so if people start farms there they will stay loaded even when people aren't on the server so that's oh, nice. actually going to be kind of useful going forward but yeah my island cool. is somewhere i plan to work pretty much constantly so it's always going to be there very, very cool. Well, you mentioned 1.13.1, uh, and we actually have a new snapshot that came out since the last time we recorded, and that's Minecraft Snapshot 18W32A. Complicated names. I've always thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the, uh, the year first, and then it's week 32, and then the A, B, C, and so forth is like the A, B, and C snapshot. It's like the the kind of how they organize how many snapshots have come out that week. I think it's it's gotten as far as like it being 16F or something before. So they had to iterate like six different times in a week to get something wow. that was stable. It was it was pretty fun. That's a fun week that's for the devs, cool. I'm sure. I didn't I didn't know. I mean, I knew it would have made sense somewhere, but I didn't realize that that's actually how, how it panned out. Very, mm -hmm. very cool. Uh, so we'll have a link to that. It's up on minecraft.net, pretty easy to find. Uh, and if you want to look through... The full list of things that they've changed you can you can go ahead and do that the only things that really stood out to me they added dead coral so mm -hmm. not coral fans those were already there not coral blocks those were already there but the coral plant itself yeah those um those are now you can uh they can be dead coral i don't exactly know i mean it makes sense in terms of just you know crossing your t's and, and dotting your eyes but what would be the build use of dead coral I don't really know. Like it's it's something that I've seen people come up with interesting designs with the fans. Like I saw some people yes. early on when they introduced kind of the dead stuff, uh, placing them down on the ground as as almost like birds' nests. And then because you yes. can place item frames on the floor now, you put an item frame down, you put like a bone block or an actual egg item in the frame, and it looks like a bird's nest, and it's kind yeah, of adorable. Oh, yeah. But then, yeah, I haven't really done enough experimentation with the coral plants themselves, the actual sort of entity organisms rather than the blocks that yeah i don't know what i would use them for we'll find yeah, out I, I guess yeah uh, yeah i mean i'm sure that the minecraft community will make quick use of them uh, i saw another use for dead coral fans on the minecraft reddit and it was uh frosty flowers so you put them down in, in a in a 
snowy biome and they look like frozen or dead plants. Yes, that would be really cool. cool. I've never yeah. really built in a snow biome before. I haven't done much building there. I did a tiny amount on a single player world back in the day, but it would be nice to revisit that. I feel like they are kind of underused yeah. just because the snow always covers your builds so you don't really yeah you know you have to you have to build with that effect in mind but yeah and i can't think i can't think of which coral it would be maybe the fire coral but one of them is very kind of tree or or plant like looking mm. most of them look very distinctly like underwater coral like they're tubey or or they've or they look like a like a brain coral looks more very much like a a a ball yeah they're more kind uh, of bubbly and stuff yeah yeah but but some of the ones that have more branches we'll say might actually be able to work as like a dead bush or, or a frozen bush or a, you know an out of season bush or something in a, in a frozen biome but yeah I'll, I'll have to check it out when i get yeah, in there worth uh, a try. the other thing yeah the other thing that that i noticed was uh it's it's note mc uh one three five three eight seven and his chunks are not forced unforced until a player loads it uh and i'm I'm kind of inferring a little bit, but I think that might be a big deal for uh, servers that are lagged uh, or plagued with lag or or lagged with plague, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, so, so chunk forcing and unforcing is a concept they kind of added in the previous snapshot, which we didn't really go into. But uh, I was talking earlier about the spawn chunks always being loaded on a server so that you can have an iron farm that is constantly running. Forcing mm -hmm. a chunk basically is a chunk loading thing that applies anywhere outside of the spawn chunks. It's something you can only do with commands or command blocks, and it essentially allows you to suspend that chunk in like in perpetuity. So you, you, can, you can actually have that one loaded even if nobody is currently occupying it. And this oh, is this is something that modded players have always come up with a solution for because they have these farms that are constantly running or, you know, machines that will break if they're not staying loaded in. You know, there's in modded, there's stuff like nuclear reactors that will just close down and explode if for whatever reason the player isn't around or, or something like that. So, OK, so, yeah, there, there, there can be uses for that in modded and in modded. There are chunk loading tricks or chunk loading items even that actually keep that coded in so that you can you can always have that area loaded so now they're adding a feature that lets you do that in vanilla minecraft so in theory you could sort of set a constantly loaded chunk yourself on a server and have that be the designated farming district so that you don't have to do all of your farming in the spawn chunks potentially it's something right. i can see the technical players making a great deal of use of and the average player will probably not care yeah yeah, I, it makes a lot of sense. For example, when you mentioned earlier that the spawn chunks, I think you said on season four of Decidedly Vanilla, they were in, it was in a desert. Yeah. So it was really not desirable. So you guys as a community could decide, okay, well, look, this is the spawn chunks. And while technically this is where all the stuff would, would constantly run, let's make our own set of spawn chunks somewhere's a little bit more desirable. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll use that as the area for iron farms and community things yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, other news this week, Optifine 1.13 got an alpha release, <laughs> and then the website went down. <laughs> so, <laughs> as of the time of the recording, uh, Optifine.net is currently returning an error message, and the page won't load. I wonder if this is just traffic, because it, it immediately mm -hmm. gets posted on the Minecraft subreddit whenever an Optifine update comes out, and this is a very early alpha release it's a preview version it's not even available on the main downloads page you have to go to a separate page to kind of acknowledge that this is a preview version but a bunch of us were able to download it before the website went down myself included i don't know if you said you'd managed to snag a copy as well 
I snagged a copy on the weekend. I spent most of my time doing the data pack stuff. So I was able to pop in before the show for about 20 minutes and kind of poke around. I didn't really mess with any any settings. Uh, I what, Two things that I noticed were that my previous settings did not roll forward. Uh-huh. So for example, my cloud height is still default. I would have to go back and change that. Um, that could, again, this is all pre-alpha stuff. So like yeah. it, it could be, that could be fixed when they finally release it. Uh, and the only other thing that I noticed was my grass texture. So not the grass block, but the grass plant texture was not there. It mm. was a green, it was a green splotch. Um, <laughs> so, so I immediately thought, all right, well, I can't play with Optifine right now and it's fine. Uh, and I, and it could be something in a setting, but I, I didn't have time to drill into it. Yeah. But it, it, it seemed to be okay. Like it was, it, it was stable. Like I, w- I was running around. Yes, and I had a very stable experience of mine. And obviously, PC hardware varies. You're on a Mac, and there's there's all sorts of variables yes. to take into account here. Yes, but yeah, I I've had no problems with it so far. I haven't gotten the performance boost that I expected to get from Optifine, but I probably chalk that up to 1.13, just still being a little bit more complex than the previous Minecraft updates. And yeah. maybe the Optifine team hasn't like drilled down into the stuff that is causing lag for 1.13 players, things like water updates and stuff like that, really tank your frame rate if you're very close to an ocean. Um, yeah, the, the one amusing bug that I have found is that every time I spawn in, my view is upside down. It is vertically <laughs> flipped. And so I'm always... And there's a, there's a joke in the, uh, the Minecraft community in general that one of the developers, Dinnerbone, has like an upside-down skin and his profile picture on Twitter is upside-down and so there's all this kind of upside-down stuff. If you name-tag a mob Dinnerbone in the game, it will flip the mob upside-down. And so I, I just logged in and was like, is this what Dinnerbone sees all the time <laughs> with my flipped-up <laughs> view? But uh, thankfully, I actually read in the, uh, the thread on the Minecraft subreddit when Optifine was released uh, that other people had been having this problem. And the solution is just to press F4, just the key F4 on its own. And that actually manually flips your uh, your display in Minecraft. Right. So yeah, that that's an odd feature. But <laughs> aside from that, uh, perfectly fine. I've had really no problems with it. I've been able to enable my custom sky again and found out that the sky above Mushroom Islands is yellow. So no thank you. I am turning that back off. Um, yeah. I was also able to run shaders, which I think is probably the feature, aside from performance boost, that people most look forward to Optifine for is the ability right. to plug some actual lighting engines into Minecraft and get all those gorgeous kind of sun rays and shadows and everything. And I did that for a time lapse in my video. I don't play with shaders on a lot of the time because my computer is kind of a budget rig and I don't want to overheat my graphics card <laughs> and, and get hmm. terrible frame rate. But it's, uh, it's nice to know that that stuff is definitely in the pipeline. There are usable versions of it coming out and hopefully... Fingers crossed they should uh, release it hopefully before uh, Mojang releases Minecraft 1.13.1 and then makes the 1.13 version of Optifine obsolete (laughs) because uh, they they, they will probably, like like we said last week, they will probably be quicker to update once it's just like the 0.1 updates. But still, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to get it out there. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we can play with it for a little while before we need to roll on to the next set of features. I had been playing with Optifine for so long that when 1.13 came out and was playing just a vanilla game, I forgot that shaders were part of Optifine. Yeah. I thought they were natively something you could do in in Minecraft. I was like, oh, right. There's so much that Optifine allows you to do. I don't necessarily see a frame rate boost. Um, I have a fairly new computer, so that's probably why. And also, yeah. like you said, Mac versus PC. Uh but what I I just find that the customizable things like you know 
fog distance and cloud height. And there's just a lot of little visual tweaks that I find mm -hmm. that you can just kind of make Minecraft kind of work the way that you want it to. Uh, and I also, um, one of the texture, is it, I don't know whether it's in Optifine or whether it's part of my, part of my, um, the shader packs I have. I think it's just part of Optifine, but I, I really enjoy uh, connected grass texture mm. sides. Yeah. Uh, so things like grass, path block, uh, my, my glass texture, my glass texture pack relies heavily on Optifine for being connected. Yes, connected uh, textures are pretty. Yeah, good. and I and I find and I find I miss those quite a bit. You mm -hmm. know, like I I really like looking at the side of a grassy hill and having it all be grass as opposed to all the the dirt kind of block sticking out. Yeah. Uh, so and I, I just find it gives you a little bit more control as as you're building and landscaping and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely allows you to kind of have minecraft the way you want it a little bit more as well as mm -hmm. some i think it is even possible to have like more connected textures as part of vanilla resource packs now but i think there are still certain things that have to be enabled through mods like optifine uh thinking of having minecraft the way you want it and, and do things the way you want it there's there was one other thing i wanted to bring up right here at the top of the show uh with the news is that it, it a, a creation of sorts um a guy called plagiatus who um I think is probably known to some people for creating the Hardcore Hermit Season 2 data pack. Um, and he, he's kind of dabbled in more, the more creative kind of command blocky side of um, of Minecraft for a while. But yeah, he created the sort of find every item and like you get an advancement for every item you submit to this hopper uh, game mode that they used in, in Hardcore Hermits. Um, he created a Minecraft contraption that will help you solve Sudoku puzzles. Uh, which is pretty incredible as far as I'm concerned. It, it's it's one of those things that you see people doing stuff with Minecraft and you're like, I never thought to use this game for that. And the uh, the same the same thing is true of that there was a guy a while ago who recreated the entirety of Pokemon Red just using like a texture pack and items with different damage values displaying different textures. And he, he he was able to completely recreate a Game Boy game in Minecraft. But this, yeah, this this wow. was a, a fantastic contraption that you essentially put in blocks with the numbers of all of your different kind of Sudoku solutions. You put them in the mm -hmm. right spaces and then you press the button on a command block and then an armor stand whizzes around for a little while. There's like a video of him him showing how it, how it functions. An armor stand whizzes around, basically kind of calculating where all of the rest of the numbers should go and then it completes the puzzle for you. <laughs> and <laughs> and whether whether or not that is something you want to do, because I imagine, you know, Sudoku people do it for the test of their own brain, it's still right. quite a technical feat for somebody to have accomplished that kind of, you know... In Minecraft. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it would be a technical feat to write a computer program that does it. It's a, something completely different to make mm -hmm. Minecraft do it for you. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah, Minecraft essentially becomes the, the GUI, right? Yeah, and that, that's that's the kind of thing. It's it's strange to me that Minecraft almost becomes like a game development platform to people who are familiar with this kind of way of doing things. Like there's a game in yeah. and of itself in survival or, you know, you build stuff in creative, but then to there's like almost a, an offshoot of the creative side of things, which is just what can I make this game do that you would not expect? I mean, it's it's gone every every time every time I think about stuff like this, it's it's all the way back to 
you know, early redstone computers where people, you know, set mm-hmm. up all of these redstone torches and wire and then they're like, hey, I've created a computer with, you know, two bits worth of RAM and it'll store things and it'll calculate stuff for you. And you go, how are you people doing this? <laughs> Even without yeah. command blocks at that time as well. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, I find it really fascinating. And I would love, like, I, I've not yet tried anything. And I don't, I don't know why. It's probably just a, a time limitation thing. But I see a lot of maps, a lot of map downloads and adventure things that you can do in Minecraft. I mean, these are all things that are made by players in the community. And they're just taking advantage of the, the under the hood features that Minecraft allows you access to. Uh, and to create custom things, you know, where you... Um, what was the thing that I was watching you play a little while ago on YouTube? It was about Dwarven Mining or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Dwarven Mining Company. That's a, a kind of so, custom adventure map that's on the Minecraft marketplace right now. Blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it absolutely blew my mind. Like, just the, uh, the, uh, the level of detail mm-hmm. and the amount of control. And the voice that, acting. And yeah, yeah there's, there's so much stuff they can do with it. And retexturing stuff alone is you know, guaranteed to make things look a little bit different to your average Minecraft experience. But then exactly. Yeah. The amount, the level of customization and people wonder why we're starting a podcast about Minecraft. There's just so much here to talk about (laughs) that that I'm sure like, I'm sure in in future episodes, we will get into stuff like customization. Like you, you wanted to do a show about data packs. I think we can do a show about resource packs. We can do a show about, you know, the light, the lighter and heavier sides of Minecraft modding. We've got, Mm -hmm. we've got a lot to cover, but (laughs) I think, I think we'd probably, but probably better leave that behind us and move on to our discussion topic because we're in danger of just just rambling about stuff we find cool <laughs> for this long. Well, and that, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you get together with a bunch of people that play Minecraft and very quickly the conversation will go to Minecraft heavy. I remember my birthday party. Uh, I had a bunch of people over, most of whom actually were local and play on the Citadel with me. So uh-huh. I'm lucky that a good chunk of the people that play, wow, that was a great pun, uh, play on the server. <laughs> Uh, are actually local here in Dartmouth, Halifax. So I was able to meet them and ha- have them hang out in person. And <laughs> very quickly, the entire party conversation went to Minecraft. Yeah. And there's a couple of people that were outside of that group that were looking at all of us like, it sounds really cool, but I've got no idea what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it tends to get lost. You get lost in the jargon a little bit sometimes when yeah. you're around. So I was talking to a friend uh this weekend and asked them if they had played because they're into Pokemon Go. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. if you're into Pokemon Go, you might like Minecraft. And it uh, something that y- you had kind of wrote in, in the notes uh, when we were thinking about what to do for episode two was how did you and I get into Minecraft? And that it kind of got me thinking because I was trying to explain uh, to Jen, like, well, what is it and how how could you start and, and where to even start? start and i'm on the other side now i've been playing heavily for a year mm-hmm. uh so where like how did you really get your feet wet with minecraft it was an interesting one for me because i i'd always admired minecraft from a distance is the way i i, I tend to put it because i at the time it was 2014 i guess uh i was working at disney uh i used to work for the online interactive department for disney uh actually doing email support and online moderation for the club penguin virtual world 
which cool. you know I, I have a lot of stories that i could get into but i won't because this is <laughs> this is a podcast <laughs> about minecraft um so i we we regularly got emails from parents kind of canceling kids club penguin membership and saying oh he's a little bit older now he's moved on to playing minecraft and so we were like okay minecraft is kind of like a competitor and it's like a game that kids tend to play when they get a little bit older they age out of playing the kind of little kids games and they move on to something big and creative and i'd always known minecraft was just this huge phenomenon i'd seen the toys in the shops and so forth but i hadn't ever played it myself and at the time i didn't really own a current games console or a pc that could play games i've been a mac user since i was in university and macs always had that reputation for not really playing games so i i didn't really pick up any games around that time but I picked up watching Minecraft on YouTube. A lot of the the gaming I was doing at the time was kind of um, vicariously through other people. Uh, so I was watching, um, yeah, gangs like Achievement Hunter and people who who make kind of uh, gaming based videos. And at the time, that was that whole scene was not in its infancy, but it was still fairly niche. It wasn't like the phenomenon where people are selling out arena tours of them just going around and playing video games in front of a crowd. Um, but I, I started picking up on people like Achievement Hunter playing Minecraft and uh, the Yogs cast, who were back in the day such a big collective of Minecraft players, mostly modded Minecraft players after a while. But they have this one vanilla series where they kind of they started out as like a fairly dry let's play, and then they got a bunch of their friends to basically act as characters in the game and it's the two of them running around and the characters are all just typing stuff in the chat like it's lines from a play and they're kind of improvising stuff of it as they go along but they weave this whole story and i oh, wow. I, I watched sections of this and some other people just playing the game legitimately for the game that it was uh, dabbling with mods and stuff like that and yogs cast and achievement hunter are both very much not family friendly like they swear a lot uh, a lot of the stuff they talk about can be gets a little bit adult and graphic, and but they're always having so much fun. And as as an adult who doesn't mind content with a little bit of swearing in it, they managed to convince me that the game wasn't just for the kids that I'd been reading about in these emails from parents. You know, it was it was a right. a game that basically anybody could dip into, and it was also a very creative game. You I mean you've got people basically using it as a storytelling platform. You've got people just creating funny little mini games for them to play, and. My brother-in-law, uh, who is still playing Minecraft, his name is Kane83 on the Decidedly Vanilla server. Uh, his real-life name is Rob. Um, and he just started playing with his friend Chris. And he'd started up his own YouTube channel. And at the time, YouTube gaming still felt very distant to me. It didn't feel like something that the average Joe could pick up and do. You know, Achievement Hunter and the Yogscast all worked from, like, centralized offices where they had all of this right. computer equipment and capture cards and so forth. And I thought you still had to do all of that in order to be able to play video games for people on the internet. Turns out, not the case. <laughs> Turns out you can have a half-decent PC and download some software and you're good to go. But I didn't leap into PC Minecraft straight away uh, because I didn't have the resources to get myself a PC. I was you know, making a fairly decent income, but I had other, other things to spend my money on. So a co-worker of mine at Disney was no longer using his Xbox 360 because I think he'd bought an Xbox One at the time and maybe didn't have too much time to play games himself. But he gave it to me so I could catch up on a few games that I'd always wanted to play but never had an Xbox around. Uh, and one of them was Minecraft. So I, I decided to take my first steps into Minecraft and played it on the Xbox 360. Um, Xbox 360, the kind of legacy console edition of Minecraft, the worlds are limited to 850 blocks-ish. 
by 850 wow. blocks. It's a square world and you can't go any further. Like it's surrounded by ocean and you can't like walk any further than that. Not even like a, a visible world border like you get on Java Edition. Like it is just invisible wall, can't go any further than that. The first seed I generated was 80% water. <laughs> yeah. so, so I didn't have a lot of terrain to work with. I actually have a map of it. Um, I might even link it in the show notes because I made a Tumblr post about it at the time, just saying like, this is, this is really cool. Like I'm trying out Minecraft for the first time. And yeah, there were like two biomes, basically. I, was, I spawned on an island in the bottom left-hand corner and then there was a huge chunk of ocean. And then at the top of the map, there was, I think, a spruce forest and maybe a bit of a snowy area. And then the rest of it was all water, apart from one mushroom island. And this was back in 2014. It was title update 14 for the console version. So villager trading had only just been added. And I didn't have a village in this map because it was entirely waterlogged. Um, but this was effectively, if people are familiar with their Java version history, it's like the equivalent of Minecraft 1.3.1. So this is pre the wither. This is pre horses. They basically only just added in stuff like ender chests and emeralds and stuff like that. I, I forget mm. exactly what else had just been added, but there was a, a, a change log when you logged into the game. And they're like, hey, you have all of this stuff now. But the PC version was always just way further ahead than that. But I was just kind of happy dipping into it and, and, and trying stuff out. I remember being so scared of the nether originally that I built a portal on the Mushroom Island in this map because I'd heard that monsters didn't spawn on Mushroom Islands and I was convinced that as soon as I erected this obsidian portal, everything was just going to come gushing out of this portal to attack me. <laughs> and, oh, I was... It, it's, it's funny going back into those early days and thinking about, like, the naivety, almost, that you had as a player of Minecraft. Oh, yeah. Like, the, this sort of world that could has this untapped potential to it. And even if you've seen other people playing Minecraft until you've played it yourself... You've not really had that experience. You've not kind of interacted with it in that exploratory way that everybody always does when they start Minecraft. And I always remember like seeing people on forums saying, I really wish I could just erase my memory so I could go back and experience Minecraft for the first time because those those early days are almost magical. It's, it's really interesting. So anyway, I ended up setting a goal on this world to build a house at every corner of the map because I'd started in the bottom left and I'd gone basically immediately north from that and found this continent. So I could go, okay, I can go top left. I can go top right. Bottom right is completely flooded. And then I read on the Minecraft wiki that you could remove water blocks using dirt and gravel. At the time, there were no sponges in the, in the, the Xbox version. So you couldn't remove right. large quantities of water the way we're all so used to doing now. Um, there were no sort of ocean monuments or anything. Ocean monuments were a distant fantasy at this point. So, yeah, I I filled an, I, I, I made a glass dome. I made the traditional glass dome and I filled the entire thing up with dirt and then got it all out again with a shovel. And I was like, this is incredible. I have literally gone from thinking, no, there's no way I can build anything underwater to just having my own underwater laboratory with like a checkerboard floor and a brewing stand in the corner and stuff like that. It was it was pretty incredible. So I I generated a couple of different worlds after that because I wanted to see all of the other biomes. Uh, the, the world I generated after that actually had a jungle, which was very exciting. And after that, I kind of started a museum project. The, the way I like to play Minecraft is a little bit more organized. It can get chaotic at first, but then I always like to compartmentalize all of my stuff. Like this is where my stone brick goes. This is where my wool goes. This is where everything else. And I'd started a museum project. I wanted to just collect everything in Minecraft and kind of display it. And this was more just for my own benefit. 
than anything else because I wasn't playing online with anybody. I, I feel like I'd seen a lot of people engaged in multiplayer Minecraft, but none of my friends were really playing it at the time and none of them were playing on the Xbox version if they were playing at all. So eventually I moved to the PC so I could play the Java edition and share stuff with other people. Um, specifically spurned on by my brother-in-law, Rob, who basically gave me an old PC and said, this will probably run Minecraft if you install Linux on it instead of Windows. And my, I started making my first videos on there, first off solo, did a Skyblock collab series with him, and then joined the Decidedly Vanilla server. This was back at the end of 2014. So that was almost four years ago. Wow. And... The PC version was on version 1.8 by this point, which was way advanced compared to the the what the console edition that I'd left behind. Um, ocean monuments were a thing. Banners and rabbits. Uh, fences of different wood types had just been added. And this makes me feel ancient because that's just a feature I take for granted now, right? Like originally you could only have oak doors and oak fences and that was it. But then you, they, mm. they just added, like, you can have acacia fences now. You can have dark oak fences. And and it, it, it felt like everything had just kind of opened up. I was on a, play, a server with, like, a bunch of other players, and we were all making video content around it. And so it's it snowballed from there for me. Like, I feel like every, every year since then, I've ended up investing more and more of my time and creative energy into Minecraft. But it all started with... A borrowed Xbox 360, <laughs> a version that was probably five or six versions behind the current version of Java that I started playing on. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that creative spirit has never really left, I think. It's funny how it's like the snowball effect is real. Mm -hmm. Like you just you get a little taste for the game and you're like, okay. I, and then once you get a handle on things, it just really starts to, to, to expand exponentially. Yeah. From there. And it because you started to yeah, you started to discover the things that we talked about earlier, like just how deep the game goes, how much you can do, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's definitely did you ever get a feeling of overwhelm? Like when you got into the world and you're just like, okay, well, what do I do? I I, I can appreciate that feeling, and I, I think I've gotten that occasionally, especially with more developed worlds, but I was always really good at setting little goals for myself. Like, you know, I'm going to make it over that hill and see what's on the other side. I'm going to go mining and find some diamonds today. I'm going to do this or that. And I was playing it right. kind of every afternoon when I came home from work, I'd play it for like a couple of hours, probably longer than I should have. Um, and my wife learned to be very patient with me because I, just, I was just so kind of passionate about this game. And she's yeah. kind of in a way thankful for that now because it's turned into something that I'm actually making into a kind of almost a semi-professional thing, I guess you could say. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think I ever got overwhelmed with it at first. I was just, I was just too keen to explore and, and do everything. And si since then, I've learned to pace myself a little bit better. I think that's one of the important things is to set manageable yeah. goals for yourself and pace yourself, especially in the early days. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, for me, when I first started, uh, I had been looking for something to do ironically non-digital i was i was looking to do something that would get me away from the computer and away from the drawing table <laughs> amazing uh, the, the road to hell paved with good intentions <laughs> yeah exactly right so uh i had uh target uh is a large chain store in north america and uh are they in britain as well no. i don't think they are we, we actually no. had a conversation the other day with somebody who was trying to work out what the uk equivalent of target was and i th okay. i think it, it th there are several shops that were like that that have now kind of 
become defunct. So yeah, but but I'm I'm familiar with Target. So go ahead. So defunct is what happened. Target in Canada went out of business. Oh right. Okay. Uh, similar to how Toys R Us in the U.S. has gone out of business, but they're still yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, all their stuff was going on big sales, and so I went in one day because there there happens to be a Target or was a Target at one of my main shopping malls. Mm-hmm. So I was in there doing other stuff, and I'll pop into Target and see if there's anything that I can get for the house, you know, for the for the apartment, you know, things that you just don't want to spend like real money on, but you're just like, yeah. well, I do need like a new, I don't know paper towel dispenser or something stupid in the kitchen <laughs> that you you don't want to spend real money on but when it's 75 percent off and it's six bucks you're like yeah, well yeah. you when, know when it's on now, clearance now, yeah now i feel like i can actually get this and not feel like a dork about it mm-hmm. um but the other thing that was on sale was lego and i'm not sure if you're familiar but lego never goes on sale oh, because yeah. they don't they, they don't have to right Le- lego is so, always a seller it's it just yeah. goes so yeah so i picked up i picked up a small lego set for 20 bucks and it was probably Sixty percent off. So I mean, I I nabbed a pretty good deal on it. And it was only four or five hundred pieces, but I built it. Uh, I don't think I streamed it, but I Instagram blogged it as I was going, uh-huh. taking like progress yeah. shots and stuff like that. And, and, and I, Lego Lego has a pretty big online community as well. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had a blast. Like I I was surprised as an adult how much I enjoyed it. Now part of it was probably because it, it was a Star Wars droid ship. So I was like, all right. So I, <laughs> yeah. There you, know, you go. But I was really impressed with the construction of it. So that quickly led to me looking for other Lego. And I ended up mm-hmm. buying some other stuff uh, secondhand in Kijiji. Got the shuttle Tiderium, which is like a, a thousand pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I actually live streamed. I did that on Twitch. And I had such a great reaction to that that I wanted to keep going. But then I was complaining to my friend Steven that I've got this great new ho- hobby. But boy, is it expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if you're seeking out like Star Wars Lego sets specifically. Th- th- those can get off the charts. Well, anything that's worth your time, like I don't want to go buy a kit and put it together in two hours and then be done. So when I bought the thousand piece Tiderium, like that took me six or eight hours, you know, four streams, give or take of me putting this together and and relaxing. You know, it was several weekends of, of doing this. Yeah. And so Steven, who plays Minecraft with his boys, who are now, I think they're like 12 and 14 or 11 and 13 or something like that. But at uh-huh. the time, this was a year and a half ago. So they were a little bit younger. Uh, he suggested, well, you should try Minecraft. It's basically like digital Lego, yes. but it's cheaper because it's 30 bucks and that's it. Like just you spend the one time because in it's 35 Canadian, I think, for the Minecraft mm-hmm. um, Java version in Canada. So I was like, well, I, I kind of turned my nose at it because like I've been aware of Minecraft, uh, but I had always kind of looked, I mean, ironically down my nose at it. I'm an artist and I looked at it like, eh that doesn't look much better than video games when I was a kid 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So the, why why the, would I be interested in that? The visual style of Minecraft is one of the things that I think puts players off, the fact that it's all kind of pixelated and they're like, surely modern games should look way better than this. Exactly. And that's and that's where I was kind of coming from because I, I as a gamer from, from a, for a short history, I've been mostly a Blizzard gamer. So World of Warcraft was probably like the biggest time investment that i had over the last like 10 years yeah in terms of the games that i was playing so that kind of immersive not necessarily open world but real close uh you know exploration and just what's around every bend and all that kind of stuff i like that kind of thing and i often play warcraft like a single player game not Mm -hmm. not a multiplayer game so but because i had steven to to play with and he offered to show me the ropes because it was cheap i thought you know what i'm just I'm, i'm gonna go ahead and and check this out um so I, I played one afternoon with Steven. I downloaded the game. This was on an old MacBook Pro. 
So it played it and it played it well enough. It wasn't fantastic. So it didn't look very good. Yeah. But I was able to to kind of make it do what I wanted. Um, but Steven showed me the ropes one afternoon. And I just remember how small I felt the world was. Not that it was small, but like you basically see like the hill behind you, the tree in front of you, a couple of other stuff. And it's like, okay, so what do I do? And because because you're basically just there. And my complaint to Steven about the game was that I'm glad that you're here because if you weren't here, there was nothing in the game to tell me what to do next. Yeah. Right. There's no NPC. There's no character. There's no story. No tutorial stuff popping up. No, exactly. It took me a while to get past that because in World of Warcraft, like the first person you talk to is like, hey, stranger, you should go down the road and talk to this person at the end or whatever. Quest givers leading you forward the whole time. Exactly. And that ends up with like, oh, you're going to need better boots and better pants and better swords. And like, so you very quickly understand what your immediate goals are. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have those. So without, I mean, I I enjoyed playing with Steven that afternoon. It was actually kind of a fun, it felt like playing hooky because I I work from home and I had taken the afternoon off to kind of hang out with Steven. He was home from a, Uh, from work with a headache so we were playing and and just kind of chilling out for the afternoon was not something you get to do as an adult often on like a wednesday afternoon sort of thing it was also winter in canada it was march just to kind of give people context it was march of 2017 so i've not been playing minecraft for very long at all Mm -hmm. uh it was 1.11 at some point in my early days of minecraft 1.12 came yeah i don't exactly remember the date but it was shortly after i started because I I've definitely used I definitely used concrete in my first world at some point. And and that's and that, that's really funny to me even as somebody who came into Minecraft technically as late as I did, it's still really cool knowing that there are people who've popped in and concrete is already available to them. They haven't yearned for concrete for several years <laughs> no. the way the rest of oh. us did looking at the stained clay palette going this is also drab. And, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. a noob. Like I'm I'm absolutely aware that in the grand scheme of things I'm I'm a player um so i i played on this world with steven and what he did was he decided well if you like it for this afternoon then what i'll do is i'll start we we won't go any further we'll just um i'll start my free realm with mo yang yeah yeah because he he was going to get time yeah he was going to get time out of it for ju- not just he and I, but he was also going to be able to play with his boys on it. So that was something that they've wanted to do for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So he got some family time out of it and I get to play on it. Well, I got in there and of course, working from home, like, I mean, I had work to do, but at the end of my day, it was very easy for me to kind of roll into Minecraft and, and try to do some stuff and learn a few things. Uh, so I was kind of at a loss. Like I would, I built a really ugly house at start and I had a farm and, you know, you just kind of do these little things. And, and I was really kind of, not necessarily frustrated, but just kind of lost as to what to do next. And then I kind of, I went for a walk through this little valley that we had, and I saw a couple of really cool mountain formations. And I thought to myself, man, that kind of looks like the mountain from Snake Mountain from He-Man when I was a kid. <laughs> yes. I remember you and talking then, about this, actually. Yeah. yeah so, so then so then my brain went, oh, man, I could, I'm an artist. Like, if I took my, <laughs> if rather than just kind of des- like trying to go block for block in Minecraft, if I took a minute, went into Photoshop, you know, drew out some decent plans and realized just exactly what I would need to do to make it look like a snake at the scale that I want, et cetera. I could, pro- I could probably make Snake Mountain. Yeah. And, and I liked the design in Photoshop so much that I decided that I was going to tackle this in game. And therein lied the, I don't know what to do. I like, 
it solved the problem immediately because by starting a big project or 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 deciding I'm going to do something really big. Like I went from making like a five by five house to a gargantuan to, to snake mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but it solved a huge amount of, of, of what do I do next issues for me? Because I didn't have the blocks that I wanted. I didn't have the number of blocks that I wanted. I didn't have the resources or the tools or anything like that. So right away you're like, okay, well, snake mountain is now a goal. That's number 10 on the list. The first goal on the list is, get yourself geared up, like get some mining going, get some this going, get, mm -hmm. get organi organized, get a, uh, a storage system and stuff like that, or at least an organized room of chests. Cause at that point, I don't think I had had much going on, get a safe place to live. That's near snake mountain so mm -hmm. that you don't have to deal with, you know, mobs and stuff. You don't have, so, a you don't have a commute to snake mountain. <laughs> exactly. So that, so that, <laughs> and I did for a while. It was like long run. Why, why don't I just build a house over here? You know, and so that, and that snowballed into a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And and after a while you start to realize, okay, now I've got stairs and slabs and bricks. And so you start to realize, okay, I can build stuff out of, out of other things. And I felt kind of, I didn't want to make a castle because I, I kind of felt like that's what everybody did from my just, you know, um, pop culture views of yes, minecraft like I, everybody made castles. i resisted castles for the longest time as well i still don't think i've actually made a proper castle aside from my one chunk build i don't think i've ever built a a survival castle because minecraft lends itself so easily to that medieval block palette everything is like mm -hmm. cobblestone and wood these are the the materials that you can get so easily and i always felt that just felt too obvious like you say everybody and their mom is building a castle in minecraft you yeah. you, you want to do something different which why, yeah. which why I think Snake Mountain is such a great thing to start with. You're like, you're just I, I can I can do this. I can reconstruct this like childhood cartoon memory kind of yeah. thing. And and Yeah, and but ultimately I ended up with a small castle tower like directly across from Snake Mountain. Mm -hmm. And it was just because Snake Mountain was not a base, like it was a sculpture. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't something that had an inside at that point. So I ended up making this tower and just because like I wanted stuff from the nether, like I wanted I different things and the, the artist in me, the, I like fantasy art a lot. Uh, Minecraft doesn't lend itself super well to sci-fi. So I, at least not when you're in a new player. So I, I built this tower. I put my nether portal on the top. So it kind of looked like this crazy, you know, altar thing. And, and I had um, what I started doing, I got very into the coordinate system in Minecraft and I started putting everything on key lines. So Snake Mountain lined up specifically on the same center coordinate that my tower did. Mm -hmm. So when you were in my tower and you were looking at the enchanting book out the window, you were looking straight across the valley at Snake Mountain. Yeah, yeah. So it was framed by the window and, and everything. So like the artist in me kind of took over and, and a little bit obsessive about getting everything lined up exactly right mm -hmm. and stuff like that uh but eventually uh i i just i kind of i don't want to say surpass but i definitely put in a lot more time than steven did uh on on the world and i started getting into taking breaks from sig mountain and designing the nether hub and because i needed to go and get different things and i unfortunately i learned very quickly that the seed that i was in did not really offer much in terms of biomes and content and, and stuff like that. It, yeah. it, it was a fun build in that specific, uh, Snake Mountain specifically, but ultimately I ended up abandoning the world because it, just, it was just, it hurt how far you had to go to find anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and on like, like thousands and thousands of blocks in the nether to just get to, I never found a jungle biome. Like it, it just, 
you know, I only ever found swamps and dark forests. Like that was it. Yeah. There's, so there's always one or two biomes that are just really elusive. Yeah. And you need like yeah. mapping tools to even find. Usually a mesa. Like mesas and jungles are usually the two that are rarest mm-hmm. to spawn in a world. So you really have to get lucky if you're finding them just on foot. Yeah. So that so that was my kind of initial experience of, of enjoying it, investing a lot of time into it, and then going like well, I, I never did really finish Snake Mountain. The the sculpture itself was finished, the snake head. But then I started to get a little bit more complicated and try to wrap it around down into the mountain. And, and mm-hmm. I wanted to add some features and stuff like that. And I just, I, uh, his, Steven's free month was up. So what he did was he downloaded the world and sent it to me. And I continued to single player, uh, play that for quite some time afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I really enjoyed that experience, but I did miss the idea of playing with people. Uh, and that led me into starting the Citadel, which was my free month with uh, a, a Mojang Realm. Yeah. And so I did that. And I, the idea behind that was that I could play with some people that wanted to try the game that were uh, part of the uh, the Citadel Cafe uh, podcast community uh, and bring in some friends and do it that way. So I started fresh. So I got to kind of, I still have the Snake Mountain, but I started a new a new seed, new world. And what we did was I used, I think it was Mine Atlas. I started to really kind of learn a lot about Minecraft and realize that there was a lot of online tools. And I got past the block of the game has to tell me what to do and got into the whole like, I can't figure this out. The wiki will tell me or YouTube will tell me. Yeah. Or like just kind of say like, look, you're this late to the game. You, you just, there's so much so many resources online you might as well just take advantage yeah. it's going to save you a lot of headaches I, i've got to say shout out to the minecraft wiki because oh gosh yeah. like i remember reading the wiki on the bus to and from work just to try and find out more information about minecraft mm-hmm. when i first started playing it because there is yep. so much to learn and it, it feels like the kind of thing that right now the game does have more of a tutorial process in it like it tells you when you spawn in press e to open your inventory and then it's got a thing that kind of pops up and now that it has the recipe book it's so much easier but the minecraft wiki is just invaluable when you start out it's it's one of those things i hate having wikis or game guides open while i'm playing stuff because so so often yeah it takes you out of the experience and i'm like that with modded minecraft now i i really prefer to have an in-game guide to something if i'm going to be muddling through it because otherwise i'm always just like distracting my attention turning right to look at a wiki but the minecraft wiki is just indispensable as far as a resource for early game goes because the game itself will show you this stuff but there's so much extra information about how everything works that the game isn't going to natively tell you, like mob spawning mechanics, for example. Right. And 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 yeah. the, and the fact that you can clear out water just by filling in all of the water blocks with dirt and then removing them again. There's stuff that there are guides for new players on there that are really kind of comprehensive and will take you through everything. Even if if you don't like the experience of just being dropped into a world and having nothing to do. The wiki's mm-hmm. got it, but the wiki has so much information on everything else that the game isn't going to tell you because it would be a, a, an entire lore book or something. You know, a reference guide in Minecraft would would yeah. would seem out of place. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so what we did with the Citadel is that we used Mine Atlas, uh, and I found a seed. And I won't say exactly what I typed in, but I typed in my home address. Uh huh. Just just for giggles yeah just to kind of see you know all like no spaces just kind of typed in my home address and that particular seed happened to have every biome in the game 
within the thousand blocks. Nice. That's like it just like it, it was a it, that's, yeah that's it was great. a it was a fun little happy accident. And I wish to say maybe with maybe not within a thousand, but certainly within within say like a five or a thousand block trek in the Nether. So it was close enough that it was felt like you had to work for it. But mm -hmm. not so far away that it was like, oh gosh, like this is a pain. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell so, you. I'll tell you the flip side of that story. The world I mentioned earlier on Xbox, the one that had like eighty percent water, it was my yeah. date of birth. No, <laughs> and I was, I was like, nice. I was like, this has betrayed me. Like my birth world yeah. is eighty percent water, <laughs> and it's not going to give me the full experience of all. I of never the thought about trying that. I should, I should punch that into my yeah. now. I, I feel yeah. like if, if I entered it into the Java edition, it would come out with something different. But then Java worlds are virtually infinite and the Xbox one was only 800 blocks wide. Right. So, right, yeah, right, right. yeah. 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 Uh, so, th so that's what we did with, with the Citadel. So I had stuff going on. And your, your talk about tutorials reminded me of something that I left out of my story by accident. And that is during my process of working on the Eternia world, the Snake Mountain world, that's mm -hmm. what I called the, the world save. Uh, I was watching Paul Soros Jr., on yes. YouTube. How to his, survive and uh, thrive. How to survive and thrive. So that was the real eye-opener and real education forum for me for Minecraft. And yeah. that it it and it just you would watch one episode where he would do some very, very basic stuff with a minecart or or with you know uh farming or something like that. And you're just like, oh, so that's how you do it. And you would also leave that episode going, like, I really want to try that. <laughs> and so so I would find excuses to put minecarts in the nether or you know just just so i could travel to the swamp and like hit go to swamp and then go get a cup of coffee and, mm -hmm. and come back and and do stuff like that so um i found that that series really kind of opened my eyes quickly uh, more so than reading the wiki but just having someone say like look here's the basics here's some stuff that we can do uh and he was also pretty entertaining and fun and funny yeah so i think a lot of people might have um might have found a YouTuber or 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 gone that route these days to yeah. to educate themselves with Minecraft. I mean, you, I mean, you yourself, you've got a series right now that's doing something very similar in terms it, of like yeah. a guide for for in, your players. Inspired in no small part by Paul Saws Jr. Although I'm trying desperately not to rip him off. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was aware of how to survive and thrive, and I, I know that it's been like a very helpful series for a lot of people. But I've never watched it myself because I'm like, if I do. I feel like I'm going to subconsciously just steal all of this guy's ideas and, well, and I, I don't want to do too. that to myself. And yeah, it is dated. And so I'm trying to yeah. up, update it with my Minecraft survival guide series for, for 1.13. Well, and that's, and that's the thing is that, is that even when I was watching it a year and a half ago, I still had to mentally like, okay, so he's on like 1.3 or four or something. And yeah, so yeah. something in my head, like, well, why wouldn't you use just this thing? And then a quick Google search is like, oh, cause that thing didn't yeah, exist it's like until 1.8 Observer blocks don't exist yet. And yeah, Ex exactly. Redstone you know? so, components. So, so it was good because anything he was doing in Redstone was something that I would be just like, well, that's really basic. Like I can handle that. That's yeah. not super complex because he didn't have complex parts. He just had the, you know, activator rails or, or powered rails and, you know, redstone torches and dust. And that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, buttons it really wasn't much going on. Um, so, so I, you know, I took a lot from, from that series and the rest, I guess, is really just time in the game. Uh, I'm pretty sure actually that my friend Jonathan, who plays on the Citadel now, introduced me to Paul Sawyer's Jr. I yeah. don't, I can't for the life of me remember because I've consumed so much Hermitcraft content. I don't remember how I get into it. I'm assuming probably me searching for redstone stuff and finding a mumbo jumbo. Find, finding mumbo, yeah. Video. And then going to Hermitcraft from there. But at the time, 
when I first started watching Mumbo, he wasn't, he was only on his first season of Hermitcraft. So I like, it wasn't like a huge thing yeah. in terms of his, in terms of his video content. So I don't really know how I, how I get into it. I know eventually I started watching Mumbo's Hermitcraft stuff and that's where I started to, that's where my, I guess, second level of, of education came and really kind of me pushing, you know, to, to do the builds that I do now on the Citadel. It's because of stuff that you see in Hermitcraft. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I got where I kind of I guess took my phase two. Yeah, the the, se the second wave of your, yeah. your Minecraft experience. Yeah, I, I kind of found it interesting graduating from Yogscast and Achievement Hunter, who, while obviously they like Minecraft, are playing the game specifically to be entertaining. They're not playing right. the game to explore its mechanics and that kind of thing. And even even Yogscast with their modded series, they're just that half the time they end up spawning stuff in in creative because they just want it to go faster because like they, they either have like a plot that they're working on or like they know the game kind of like the back of their hands so they they know exactly what they're going to do next and they don't really explain any of it they don't kind of take the time to go well now i'm going to go to the beneath because i can grab some more resources there but there's this thing called the Gru that you need to light it up they just go there and then get scared by this thing and then run away um but now yeah like like you i found uh, when i started playing on decidedly vanilla i found out that there was this side of the the youtube content creating community that was just rejoicing in the game itself in a way and just like ma making videos to sort of show off their builds to demonstrate what they knew about the game and playing survival for survival instead of playing survival to create something bigger than that to create something mm. that was entertaining as a story because they didn't think the game itself was entertaining enough on its own it really is entertaining enough on its own you can watch people just explore their own creativity in minecraft but keep minecraft as the focus of those mm -hmm. videos and i think that's what hermitcraft and other kind of youtube survival multiplayer servers really do is keep minecraft at the forefront and obviously their personalities and stuff can grow and they can have kind of shenanigans back and forth on the server but the ser the the series itself is really about life in minecraft rather than let's make minecraft into something entertaining mm -hmm. yeah because i and and not to say i mean not to say that those are bad they're just not necessarily my flavor the yeah, stuff that that absolutely. kind of twists it uh i it's the same it's the same thing when i'm listening to podcasts like i tend to listen to podcasts that are more laid back kind of off the cuff live to hard drive as opposed to things that are like really overly produced mm. they feel those feel like a terrestrial radio show and i'm just like well if i wanted that i would just listen to the radio or watch tv or something yeah you know, yeah like you're, you're like I'm not, I, I'm not here for radio drama you know that's... precisely yeah precisely yeah no i i and i know what you mean about the the personalities like there's there even i find sometimes too like even people that are not necessarily the most entertaining people are entertaining minecrafters because yeah. they've they've got that they've got the game to spin off of yeah and just the random stuff like you know you walk by there's a cow in a boat and like that that alone just <laughs> sparks something that, something that gives you a giggle like that some meme you know and now it's like boat cow and well for example um spy chickens from paul soros jr like mm -hmm. i I even said that one time on a stream and I had a couple of people laugh like, ah, nice reference. I remember those, you know, it just, it's stuff like that that kind of just sticks with you and you, you take that kind of stuff out of the game. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. So before we wrap up this discussion and wrap up the podcast, I wanted to kind of ask something that I, we haven't really prepared in the show notes here. So this might be a little bit more off the cuff, just a short thing. 
the, the, the topic being how did we get into Minecraft, I wanted to ask you, what keeps you in Minecraft? What keeps you playing right now? Uh, I kind of put well, you on the starting, spot here, Joel. So no, I'm sorry well, about that. <laughs> uh, starting a Let's Play series on YouTube is, is definitely something that keeps me into it. Um, I spend a lot of time playing Minecraft. I mean, let, <laughs> let's open up here. I'm single. I work from home. <laughs> So I have very little responsibilities outside of my immediate workload and stuff like that. So no kids, no dog, no, no significant other. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really enjoy the community. Like I, I really enjoy playing with uh, Alistair and Matt Cass and the people on the Citadel. Uh, it's not a, it's not a, a let's play server. Like it's not, everybody's not making videos. Alistair will stream from time to time, but mostly I'm the one that's, I'm the only one that's creating content out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really enjoying, I, I, as an artist and as a creator, I've found um, when I get frustrated with my own work, which actually I have been over the last little while, Minecraft allows me to create with a predetermined palette, a predetermined set of rules uh, and structure and uh, puzzle solving. Yeah. So it's like, yes, I want to create this really cool wall slash castle, even though I say we poo-pooed castles earlier, but I have I have kind of like a futuristic fantasy build that I want to do, inspired by some art that I saw on artstation.com. And I'm now immediately thinking like, oh man, this is going to be really cool. One, figuring out how to do it in Minecraft. Uh, but then also the trepidation is like, wow, that this is a ginormous thing. Like mm -hmm. this is going to take me a long time. Like, do I really want to dive in and do it? Uh, and in part, you know, uh, returning and doing that kind of stuff for me is is the reason why I, I keep playing it's it's the it's the problem solving or the the starting something big enough where it's like you know you can't complete it in one session so my issue then becomes i have to pace myself as you mentioned earlier you know like and not play all day saturday and try to get this thing done it's like well if you muscle through this thing then you're gonna be back to square one again and you're not gonna have anything to do so pace yourself and say you're going to make a big swamp base but just hack at it a couple hours at a time you know and just kind of like let let that build kind of uh nurture your creativity and not mm -hmm. try to go just go straight through it um but yeah it's it's the creative aspect of it and the problem solving aspect of it uh we mentioned earlier in the show at the top about data packs and stuff like that i'm very new to those but i spent a few um hours getting to learn about resource packs so i've actually created a couple of my own resource packs uh, modded a couple of, of existing resource packs. Nothing crazy, nothing too far outside of vanilla. Just little tweaks that I wanted to do for the pure, uh, I guess, checkbox of I can do it or to learn how to do it. But also the creative person in me wanted something new to try outside of Minecraft. So learning how to do pixel art. Uh, for example, I've reskinned all my diamond tools. Mm -hmm. I, they're, not, they're not a weird blue. <laughs> They're actually, they look kind of more diamondy, And I did that on my own. Like I, I learned how it was done and I figured out what it was needed. And I went into Photoshop and did it. It didn't take that long, but it was a fun, you know, hour that I spent retexturing the pick and the ax and the sword and stuff like that. I haven't done the armor yet. Stuff like that. I've, I'm, I'm now in like, I want to call it my phase three of, of my Minecraft education where I'm now kind of getting under the hood. And uh -huh. I, instead of, instead of redstone problem solving and build problem solving, I am now into under the hood, like JavaScript resource data pack problem solving. And like which, quali quality of life problem solving at this point. Yes, yeah, stuff like that. Well, for example, one player sleep, like the different things that on a server do come in handy. Um, 
I what I what I really want to do. They're, they're one of the data packs that we downloaded is the the gem and the mob head da data pack that is currently being used on Hermit craft for those that aren't familiar it just puts an extra item in the game that you get in treasure chests like a ruby or a sapphire they the different they're just textured mob heads that look like gems mm -hmm. what i want to figure out how to do i i don't know if it's even possible but i want to be able to take that gem that you find and actually give it a purpose and say okay well if you find this gem and you craft it or combine it on a crafting table with a diamond sword you will get the same stats it'll be the same item but it's going to be able to change the texture of that sword into a ruby sword or a, uh, a, a an emerald sword. And as an artist, I'm going to go ahead and create a bunch of different really cool fantasy looking swords. Uh, and so the only way on our server to get these items is going to be first, you have to find the right gem and you have to combine it with um, with the sword. So it's going to be something that you just can't rename it on an anvil and get it like you actually have to collect the item in the game i don't know if it's possible with a custom item i'm going to try uh, but i'm thinking the combination of data packs might make it possible so i'm, I'm looking forward to, to learning how to do that that's that's kind of my current what keeps me playing is, yeah. is providing that kind of cool experience for people on the server i'm playing with so that they can enjoy it too yeah so you're, you're sort of you're creating it not just for yourself you're also creating it with like a, a group of people in mind if not just an audience then also like a a community and i think that's the thing that keeps me playing minecraft if anything is the the community and both the community that i've forged around my own youtube endeavors but also the community online of just minecraft players in general because every time i look at the minecraft subreddit there's always something new on there that i haven't thought of there's always a build there that i think is fantastic the the top page of minecraft subreddit just keeps churning out these new ideas and new concepts and stuff and it really has this sense that the game is still alive. You know, everybody wants to declare Minecraft dead at a certain point because for whatever reason, they've moved on to another game like Fortnite or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and Minecraft, I don't think is going to die or if it does, it's going to be because it takes on a completely different form in future. It's going to, I, I think Minecraft as a, as a kind of platform, as a as a template for all of the stuff that you can do, all of your creativity and stuff is such a, so it, it almost just feels like such an original thing. And it's like they've invented paint in a way, yeah. like the actual yeah. substance of paint. It's like, it's a way to express yourself in a virtual world. It's so easy to understand, but almost kind of difficult to master in a way. And yep. it, it's it's a, a constant challenge, and you're always setting goals for yourself, like like you with the data packs thing. But with me, it's so often it's just stuff in game. It's just builds. It's expressing myself, and then it's sharing those expressions with people. And mm -hmm. I do feel like Minecraft is a game that I would have played anyway if I hadn't been able to share things with people because I was doing it already on on Xbox. But just the ability to step into this community at any time and tell people, look, here's what I've done. And for them to understand that intrinsically, just be like, oh, he's made that in Minecraft and it looks awesome. That's the the feeling I keep coming back to. That's always the stuff mm. that drives me to create new content is is just showing people something they haven't seen before. And and that's always a challenge. That's always something that is uh, a little bit, you know, it, it's, it's something I have to keep reaching further and further in order to find something that's still impressive, <laughs> you know, like you have to build yeah. bigger and bigger. There's a kind of feeling of escalation in it, but 
I agree. That's what I feel yeah, about I agree. the the the, uh, the rest of the the YouTube community in general. Like like we were using Hermitcraft as an example. Again, it always feels like they're pushing the limits of the game further and further each time, and that's the thing that keeps me in it. That that keeps me fascinated. Yeah. No. I, for me, the, the moving forward with with builds and things like that, I've I've now got some personal goals. Just mm -hmm. just different things I want to try. Different things I want to move away from. Uh, and and I think that 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 just goes a long way. And and as you said, not to to repeat your point, but the community in, at large is very accessible. Absolutely, it it really is, and it's it's something that I'd encourage anybody listening to this podcast who hasn't uh, checked out various corners of the Minecraft community. If you're kind of new to Minecraft and you've stumbled on this, definitely go and find a community, whether it's the community on the Reddit or if it's the community on you know, a forum somewhere, or if it's just in your local community, because we, we've talked a little bit about that today. You had your friends to play with. I had the exactly. friends on Decidedly Vanilla. It's, it's, it's always worth sharing your experience of Minecraft with other people. And that's probably going to be it for this episode, but you'll find more information about the show. The links to some of the stuff we talked about today will all be on thespawnchunks.com. And the music for the show was composed by me and is probably still subject to change. You can share your Minecraft experience with us, even, because uh, <laughs> we, are, we are available on email. You can get to us at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find us by name on Twitter and Instagram. One of the best ways that you can support the show is actually on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community. That's part of the, the Discord that we've got going on as well uh, that uh, Johnny mentioned at the top of the show. And if you are searching for the show on your favorite podcatcher and can't find it, there's a good reason for that. <laughs> and that is because the iTunes submission page for podcasts is down and has been yeah. down for the better part of a week. Uh, I have some, I have a ticket with Apple. Uh, we've received a couple of emails actually from Apple in the last 48 hours, both of which saying like, hey, we're aware, please be patient, so sorry, essentially. So they're working on the issue. Uh, your podcatcher app of choice is more than likely searching the iTunes database for new podcasts. Mm -hmm. So you can still add your podcast to your favorite app. Uh, if you go to the spawnchunks.com, there's an RSS link at the bottom of the page. Just copy that link and then paste it into your uh, into your podcatcher app. Uh, Johnny made a video last week and it actually shows you on the video how to do that. It is uh, so easy. It's yeah, literally works like a term. two clicks basically and you're there. So give that a try. So my name is Pixorifs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I've got the Minecraft Survival Guide series for beginners if you guys are interested in figuring out how to start out in this crazy Minecraft world. And I also have a multiplayer Let's Play called Decidedly Vanilla, which is also good if you're a beginner because you can see precisely what's possible. Uh, I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, Hermitcraft being a server we have talked about several times in today's podcast, but you can find the Hermitcraft recap through a quick YouTube search and it will keep you up to date on what's going on on basically the biggest YouTube multiplayer server. Uh, I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I'm mostly working on larger Minecraft projects for my YouTube series, including the warehouse build I mentioned earlier, but we occasionally dabble in other games from time to time. My wife and I played a bit of Stardew Valley the other day because the multiplayer oh, nice. update is out for that. Really love that game. It's it's super cute. Uh, but aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. And Joel, where can people find you? 
Well, you can find everything that I am up to online at joelduggan.com. That's also where I have my illustration and design portfolio. Uh, I'm open for commissions and uh, graphic work. So if you are interested in that kind of stuff, just drop me a line via the website and we can talk about that. Uh, if you like this podcast, you may also like The Citadel Cafe. It's a show where myself and some friends talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Uh, my friend Lou Page was on the show earlier this week and we talked about Dead Cells, a pixel-based uh, rogue game. Been meaning uh, to check in- that out. It looks Yeah, cool. it, looks, it looks really cool it's not necessarily my flavor but visually it's very very awesome looking uh and then uh, on comics coast to coast my other podcast i interview comic creators illustrators and animators because well i am one <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense you can follow me on youtube twitch twitter and instagram all of it is just my name just pick your poison uh and that's it you can find me there thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite but so is the approaching horde of zombies <laughs>